Welcome back, everyone, to Fake Nerds Watch. Not just any Fake Nerds Watch, though, for Fake Nerds Watch for Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I am here today. I'm Brandon J. McClure. I am here today with uh, Sparks Witty, who just left. Cat, <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, issues. Hi, my name's Ryan Oliopoulos, but we got Sparks right here. I'm also here. Ryan has to do this now when he's doing his, he's got a. He's got to correct the way he does his, Spot his yourself arm cross before you rock yourself. Uh, so, Sparks Witty, Sparks, you joined me on the last season of Star Trek Strange New Worlds for a few episodes. Ryan, you have not joined me on the Star oh, Trek. Whoa. whoa. I joined for most of the episodes, and the only time I was absent was when I wasn't invited. <laughs> oh, it's starting. I just, I just want to be clear. Going for the throat <laughs> today. And, and Chapel, we're starting spicy. Uh, Ryan, this is, uh, you've not joined me on the Fickner's Watch for Star Trek before. Uh, how would you think of the first season before we get into Well, let me this? tell you, Brandon, because I finished it yesterday. Uh, it's great. It's fantastic. Uh, I am, uh, I like Star Trek. You know, I like a lot of things, but, you know, I haven't, uh, the new fair of shows. I watched the first episode of Discovery, like when it came out, and I was like, it's fine. And I just never gave it a shot. I didn't hear the best things. I hear it's great now, but, you know, uh, Picard, you know, I'll get to it eventually, but like, I heard this show. It's like, yo, man, do you want that, like, just that real Star Trek, like, yo, like, mission of the week, doing cool stuff, new, exploring strange new worlds? I'm like, that's exactly what I want. Uh, so I watched that show in, like, three days, and I'm glad I did so I could be here because, boy, howdy, it feels good to be back. Uh, I'm a Next Generation guy. I love the Next Generation. Uh, again, I'll get to Picard eventually, probably just season three, if I'm being honest. Um, but, like, it is, man, it feels... Brandon, it feels really good. This is a really good show. And, like, I know you know this and, like, everyone knows this, but, like, man, this it feels really good to have, like, a really high budget, high quality, like, great cast, great action. Just, like, like all around great show. Also, it's a Star Trek show, which is, like, it feels great. Like, the core of Star Trek is there. Um, it just, it's wonderful. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy you're here. I'm happy you both are here. Um, so why don't we get right into it for the first episode of Season 2 called The Broken Circle. Yeah, this is directed by Chris Fisher, who directed last season's Equality of Mercy, the final episode of the season. Oh yeah, it's a Romulan episode. I watched that yesterday. It's a good episode. Written by Akiva Goldsman and Henry Alonzo Myers. So, what did we think of this first episode? Sparks, that was nice. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, I thought it was great. Uh, I was happy to be back in this in the metaphorical saddle. Um, I. I really like that the first episode is willing, like brave enough uh, to not have Pike at the center of it. Yeah. Um, and I think that was a good way to follow up on like where we left with number one and him for the previous season. Like we're going to get to that, but he's got to take care of stuff. So here you go. Here's everybody else. And I gave a nice, like let's spotlight everybody else. <laughs> Ryan. Yeah, uh, I didn't have as long as waiting you guys. I had about like 16 hours for the new season for me to watch. So, um, but it was also nice to be back. Um, uh, this was just a nice, great first episode. You know, like I don't, like I don't, I feel like you could probably jump in, not that you should, but like, you know, like any good Star Trek episode, like you could, you could just watch an episode and get something great out of it, right? You know, it shouldn't rely heavily on like continuity or anything, but like, um, besides the stuff with like, um, which they, which they tell you in the previously on Star Trek, like, Besides, like the the um, 
uh, I forget her name, but Rebecca Romaine and and Christopher, like their stuff, like there's not really stuff you really need to know because it's about like, it's about a, a, a heist to steal the Enterprise, which is a really, really fun thing. And I always love a great stinger before the credits. It's like, we're going to steal the Enterprise. And it's like, like that's great. It's great. I, I, had, a, I had a lot of fun. I mostly yeah. agree with what you're saying. I think like there is a, a little bit of like heavy leaning on the Gorn and, and Lana's history with the Gorn. Oh. Like that's still present in the background. I, not to the detriment of sure, like, could you sure. jump in here? Sure you could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I, I'm happy with this episode. I'm happy to be back. It's not, I wouldn't say it's a great first episode uh, mm-hmm. of the season. It doesn't really, qu- it doesn't quite get me like, oh yeah, I cannot wait for the rest of this season. Uh, my, it doesn't really quite get my blood pumping like uh, the final episode of season season one did, mm-hmm. but it's still, I think a solid episode. Um, it's got some really great moments. Um, and yeah. Uh, Can I, I ask was, real quick? Yeah. Because I literally just like this might as well have just been episode eleven of season one. How long is the gap from from when about you watched? It's been okay, okay, gotcha. Yeah, so it's it's been about a year, and in universe, it's a couple of months. Yeah, because uh, they mentioned that they've been at space dock for a couple of months. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there's a reference in the, and the, one of the things I really like about this about the show, uh, and one of the things that that I'm glad that to have you guys here is because you guys didn't watch Discovery, but this episode does build off of where we saw pike and the enterprise and discovery and it works i think well to kind of be like hey all you really need to know is there was a klingon war the enterprise wasn't a part of it but a manga was mm-hmm. and i'm happy to see as someone who likes that season of discovery quite a lot and in that episode in that season there's a lot of talk about how pike regrets the fact that he missed out on the war because starfleet sent the enterprise off just so that they wouldn't destroy so that the klingons wouldn't destroy the, the flagship of the federation yeah right and that's weighing weighing on pike in season two of, of star trek discovery and we're kind of getting a bit of that on other characters now like Ambanga and chapel of like oh what did we do during the war and how did that affect us and i'm happy that you don't need that discovery background but it also helps if you do yeah absolutely i didn't i i mean i definitely could feel like there's definitely like stuff i'm missing but like i had enough context for me to be like yeah like you know i got enough i'm i'm the you same know. as you just to be clear like when i watched like i also have not watched discovery yeah, yeah. so like this is the show i watch yeah. um and uh and like looking back at the the first episode, I still think they did a great job of like I got everything, all the information I needed about the stuff that happened in Discovery. I was never lost or mm-hmm. anything. Right. I do like how we're doing people talking about like wartime um, when you've been in the midst of exploration uh, mm-hmm. as you know, like the main thing going on this season, and um, it feels very prevalent this desire to not uh, be caught in that, like no recognizing that you have the power to take take starfleet and go to war yeah um but should you uh, absolutely yeah and and i i like that we're already like a first episode in of the season playing with that idea and it, it kind of the implication being like either avoiding war or or a big big battle incoming is kind of on the horizon one way or another yeah it definitely um, leans that way that like and and so what does that mean and, and that kind of thing and i do just want to respond to what brandon was saying earlier because he was saying like didn't necessarily get him this episode didn't necessarily get you as hyped for the season and I'll say uh, exactly why you're wrong, which is because um, this episode introduces Carol Kane, yeah, uh, taking oh, over as yes. chief engineer, and that has me one thousand percent excited about the season. I forgot because I did yeah. not know that she was going to start just being on the ship. I thought she was going to be like a one-off appearance for real. Yeah, 
I am really happy to hear you say that. She's kind of a divisive figure online. Um, I fell in love with her immediately. Um, uh, I, I, I love I love her already from other things. Yes. So yeah. like she was going to win no matter what. And because she, like she's anything this, she does, she's never wrong. This goofy accent. It's like, oh, I should have recognized your accent. You're a, a Lanathite. I'm like, what's a Lanathite? Like nobody knows about it. Yeah, that's that was really interesting. The idea that they've introduced this the species that the Federation is aware of that's lived for thousands of years. And it's not one that's ever been in canon before. This is completely, uh, it is a completely new species. And for a chunk of time, secretly on Earth. Yeah, yeah. until the 22nd century. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, I'm really, I'm really curious about where, about where she goes, about where this Kel character, she's incredible. I love her scene when she's on the bridge. Her dialogue with Spock is incredible. I'm so in love with this character already. Yeah. Uh, because you, you talked about like her being divisive, um, the Star Trek baby here, I gotta ask, uh, has there always been, like, there's never been any indication of, like, the advanced civilization that came to Earth, right? Well, like, you you know, like, Earth kind of gets into the stars, starts becoming part of the Federation, and they're kind of the group that, like, goes and, like, not just Earth, but, like, all of Starfleet starts, like, you know, going, in. so that didn't happen to Earth, right? There was, like, there, there was, as far as public knowledge, because there's a couple of episodes where it's there's one episode of Star Trek Enterprise where you it's revealed that in some time in the 21st century two Vulcans had to live on Earth, and that's I think I think, and my knowledge is not as extensive as others. Sure, that's the only time that we get that there have been aliens prior to first contact. What I mean is like Earth never got the experience of someone coming and sit, like the way that Starfleet does. No, true. Uh, like hey, you're ready. Uh, you want you want to chase the stars. You want to explore space. You want oh, to join that? the Federation. They don't that, get that is first contact. Zephram uh, Cochran. Because when when Zephram Cochran broke the warp barrier, a Vulcan ship was in the area and landed on Earth and said, "Hey, we're going to guide you into the future." Good job, you did a good okay. job, humans. So, like, I I think it's just I think the only reason why people would be divisive about the implications of Carol Kane's character is because like the idea that. Obviously, there's a lot of other species that do pass for human. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, out in space, we've seen a lot of them. Um, it's just silly hubris to think that they couldn't have visited Earth. Yes. <laughs> secretly sometime in advance. There's also Guinan. So Guinan in Star mm -hmm. Trek, the original uh, Star Trek, the next generation is an Elorian. She's Whoopi Goldberg's character. She is somewhere between eight and nine hundred years old i believe elorians are really long lived and there are cool species i really enjoy them but they gynan specifically had been on earth in the 1800s palling around with samuel clemens aka mark twain that's a whole episode that i really like called sure. time zero sure. so like yes there is there is precedent in star trek that a that a long-lived species had just secretly been on earth for a while yeah, yeah. i think that just that makes sense no, yeah maybe. And that's so actually that's why I like that's why I like Carol Kane's character so much, because she feels so much like the opposite of Whoopi Goldberg's Guinan. Um, just kind of character Guinan is this very reserved, very kind of sage like character. And uh, she and, and Carol Kane, Pelia, is just bored and wants adventure and is just like, I your your ship seems exciting. I want to be on your ship. Dude, I I want a whole I would love if there was just a whole episode dedicated to her just being on yeah. the ship exploring. Cause she's like her whole thing of like, like pretending to be this person or she actually is this, or she actually is a Starfleet officer or whatever, but like she, she's like, Oh, you're going to steal this ship. 
fuck you because I'm also a bad. I'm also a bad. <laughs> I'm also bad. I want to do bad things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I love that. Like it's so cool. Like I've been so bored. That's it's at the very end of the episode. But of like you know what's the worst thing about about my species? And he's like, oh, is it about losing your loved ones? Like no, that's sappy. No, it's being so bored all the time. <laughs> like that's awesome. That's a real answer. Yeah, and I love that. And it, it, that's also a sweet answer because she even says anyone with half a heart feels that same pain. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm yeah. bored. Yeah. Right. I, I hope she, I also thought she would have been a one-off. So I hope she is at least in every episode to a little extent. That'd be, I, that'd I be suspect, great. I suspect she's going to be like, even if she's not in every single episode, most of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, if she is indeed taking over our chief recurring role, guest which I think character, is, I think it's fantastic. I just, yeah. I'm so, I'm so thrilled about it. Yeah. I, I would love if they get, since you brought it up, um, Yes, I would love if they gave her a focus episode. You should know that, like, it's it's on Brandon and I's bingo cards. We are waiting for the Ortegas episode because we both particularly love Ortegas. She's cool, uh, they're, they're and cool. we She's want cool. we want the yeah we want her to have her her big center episode. And it is coming. Yeah. It is coming. Yeah. Um, okay, so we've so Carol Kane, excellent, wonderful character. I can't wait to see more of her. Let's talk about. Why don't we talk about what the, what the episode's about? Yes. Like, so the episode. So the so yeah. Enterprise gets a distress call from yeah. Laon on a on a on a contested planet just outside of Klingon space called Kajitar. That's Kajitar what I was going to Um, and on Klingon month can't go there. <laughs> yeah, but it's on Klingon month, and they can't and they can't go yeah. there. And this is kind of like the ramifications of like the war. This this is. This planet was heavily contested during the war, and the they have, they have joint custody on a mining operation. Yeah, because uh, dilithium is very dilithium. You need dilithiums to make your ships go. Um, and they and April, the first captain of the Enterprise, welcome back, Captain uh, Admiral April, um, says to says to Spock, "No, you can't, you can't go." But there's what something that I immediately like clicked to is that there's something, and Pike even says it in the opening monologue, like. There's something wrong, but no one's sure what. The Admiralty is keeping it very close to the chest, but there is something wrong. Um, and 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 we learn later that it's because the Gorn are advancing on Federation space. Right. Like they don't got enough problems already. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I uh, like the idea of this planet that, you know, like as part of making peace in war, you know, OK, it's yours this time of the year it's ours you get this time you get the, the kid on for this week <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 uh uh very like what well, you get in the divorce kind of kind of situation i will say i'm jumping ahead a little bit but i what i will say is that i kind of wish that they'd at least give an indication that it wasn't just bad acting klingons but bad acting humans too mm. who well, we see that we see them for... we see klingons and and former federation officers Mm. Oh, they do. No, yeah. Somebody to say it's like it's like a conglomeration of different people come together. Yeah. That's right. I hear you. Yeah, no, I yeah. feel like we didn't see the humans enough. No, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I feel I like remember... I feel like we made that feel pretty one sided. That's that is one hundred percent fair. I just do remember that conversation that you have about them, about yeah. that group. But that is well, just that is like, fair. especially because like, and I hope it's something that's not just like uh, in this episode thread. Like, if there are defecting Federation people, that should be explored. Yes, um, they beat up a ton of Klingons. 
They had none of them seemed human. Enough Federation <laughs> people were able to take away enough tech to build a whole ship. That was pretty. <laughs> a whole damn. fake ship. That that dude. They had Palpatine that does on have the to line. Point out something. I think. <laughs> they had Bob Palpatine. Uh, yeah, the, the they do they do say in a dialogue that the that the syndicate that currently controls Kajitar Four is run by former by by Klingon and former Federation officers, um, and that's where and but the fight sequences. And it seems very, pretty clearly like run by Klingons, and the humans yes. are just kind of there. Yes, yes. Um, and whenever when Nurse Chapel and, and Benga fight, they're only fighting Klingons. They're not fighting humans. Right. And man, uh, they kick. They kick almost from almost like too much ass, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> like they're like, "Damn, Chapel, you got hands." Yeah. And then like round three happens, and I'm like, at least like they all look bloodied up, like they didn't come out unscathed. Like I appreciate especially that. especially Chapel. Like after that last, I'll give you a minute, and she yeah. takes out like takes on like four dudes. I love battle like, damage. Got, like, yeah, yeah, I love battle R- damage. Riggedy, riggedy, wreck. Um, um, I don't want I want to get to the um I don't want to get to the fight yet because yeah. there's a lot that there's a lot there the implications there that I want to dive into. Um, as far as like the moral implications of what they did. Um, but one of the things that I appreciate about this episode is that it's very reminiscent of the original series in the sense that like in the original series, um, it, it's the Klingons and the Federation are in a cold war, much like the Russians and the Americans were. They, that was the point is that um, at any moment, a all out war can break out between the Federation and the Klingon. And sure. Kirk is constantly walking that line. And that's, that's what this episode felt like like one of those like we are currently in the klingon cold war hostilities can can uh, erupt at any moment Mm -hmm. and it's up to the enterprise to stop that and i appreciated that 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 kind of callback to the original series you know yeah because i'm sure it'll be something i think that and the gorn thing are probably going to be tied together at some point. There'll probably be more animosity with the Klingons throughout the season. And then a bunch of lizard men will show up and we're like, well, we got to team up, bro. <laughs> you see that <laughs> at ninth episode, that alien episode? Shit. They can do that now. I'm so excited to see an adult Gorn. Uh, Cause we've only seen the infants at this point. Man, back when they just used to be like dudes with like zippers. Like now they're straight up just like Xenomorphs. So I'm like, damn, <laughs> that's an upgrade. That's awesome. Um, I keep picturing like, in my mind, I I know I'm basically picturing the the lizard people from um, uh, the space Jumanji movie that I forget the name. Zathura. Of Zathura. Zathura. Mm, that's a cool dude. I keep picturing that those things. Sure. As the Gorn. <laughs> I always picture this is a this is a horrible this is a horrible deep cut, but I always picture the 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 Slee stack from the Land of the Lost. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, that's how I. Yeah, that's how I always picture the uh, the the Gorn. Uh, for some reason. Uh, I really like Captain Spock. I do too. I want the ship to go. He has the best catchphrase. (laughs) So, okay. So, I need this joke to die. Um, I want... I want it. I, I like this. There's there's some fun stuff happening in the scene, like when uh, Uhura does a great impersonation of Pike saying, hit it. Uh Um, and I love the, I love Mitchell saying, uh, my, my last captain used to say Zoom. Um, I think that's pretty funny. But it it and it's it is not fair to Strange New Worlds because I'm sure they didn't know this was going to happen. But the last episode of Star Trek Picard ended on the exact same joke. Oh, did it really? Oh. Yeah. And the one-two punch of just that being the last episode and this being the first episode was kind of like, okay, I've I'm good now. I've yeah. had this. I'm ready to like, let's maybe not 
keep calling attention to this okay. catchphrase. Speaking as a person who had no knowledge of that, yes, right. I loved it in the trailer, and I loved it in the episode. Mm-hmm. I think I think Ethan Peck is so good as Spock. Yeah, man, and his and his full delivery, like just the zoom in, the the eyebrow, and everything of I want the ship to go, and then the <laughs> eyebrow raises. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was obviously I wasn't on last season, but like the episode where he switches with his wife and he has to pretend to be her. Like, man, like he is like this whole cast is really good. Yes, yeah. like this is like, and also, oh my god, this is like the perfect example of what you do. And like this is like show Disney. This is what you do when you're casting characters again. Like, cause like in that show we had like we have Kirk and we have Spock and we have Uhura and we have Pike and we have all these people and like they're just recasted with great actors and I'm like nobody cares because it's acting, <laughs> nobody cares. And I was like, God, the show's so good. Yes, and so every good. every member of the um, the, this this show is filled with classic members of the original series: Mbenga, Chapel, Uhura, uh, Spock, all yeah. came from the original series proper, and they're all excellently recast and they're all so good and one of the things that i really appreciated watching because uh, i started watching the ready room which is the um behind the scenes kind of featurettes for specific episodes where will wheaton talks to a member of the cast and will wheaton talked about how um jonathan frakes said that the strange new worlds cast is the is is the is the closest star trek has come to recreating what hap- what the cast on the next generation had Mm-hmm. Yeah, I 100% feel that because everyone is bringing their A game. They're all so they all so close knit and they clearly love each other. Chemistry. Uh, they have such good chemistry. Some of them have far too much chemistry, which I love. Um, <laughs> and I, uh, I'm I'm so here for this cast of characters. Whenever I tune in, it's because primarily, bottom line, I know this cast is going to deliver. Yeah, right. 100%. Yeah. Um, I was going to say for Ryan, like, it'd be worth your, I think it would be worth your time because you like these kinds of things. There was like a 10 minute video, right? Like something like 10 minutes of <clears throat> the cast just talking about what it meant to be taking on these roles of the show and that kind of oh, thing, like yeah. before it aired and all this stuff. And it, I remember watching it and being like, yeah, all right. Yeah. Like, like, even without a lot of affinity for like classic Star Trek and all that, I was like, yeah, y'all, y'all care. Y'all got some real, real vibes and stuff going. I mean, this is yeah. great. Yeah, it's, it, the show sings based off of superb writing, high, about, high, beautiful budget, and an incredible cast. And you talk about Ethan Peck, and imagine, imagine getting Spock right, not just, not just with with Leonard Nimoy and and uh, um, shit, Zachary Quinto, but getting it right another time with a third yeah. incredible actor to play him. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I just incredible. I love I love Ethan Peck as 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 Spock so much. He is very much playing Spock in his rebellious phase, mm-hmm. and I'm so here for this because like we know Spock, we know what happens to Spock. Spock becomes this kind of logical uh, Vulcan person, but but I think breaking his emotional barriers in that episode in the ninth episode of the last season allows Ethan Peck to play with the idea of. Okay, the Spock isn't fully cooked yet. He's yeah. rebellious. He's emotional. He w- he doesn't know how to handle all these emotions, uh, and we and and that'll lead it. That will lead him nicely nicely to where we, where we see Leonard Nimoy. Right. Yeah. 
All the um, stuff with him and Chapel, I just I adore. I think it's just so good. They're they're like you know like like oh that's like the OTP. That's the one true ship right there. And like and then I learned there's like they like have they like don't do anything with that in the original series. Not that they have to or anything, but I'm like oh that would have been fun to like if I ever wanted to watch that show, it would be there. But it's not. Ryan, you have no idea how much I hate Spock and Chapel. <laughs> how much I hate that I love them in this yeah. show because in the original show in the original series, I mentioned before Chapel is a horrible character in the original series. Oh, that's a bummer. Uh, I think she's terrible. Unfortunately, Michelle Barrett gets saddled with the worst character on that show for me. Anyway, yeah. she's constantly this kind of lovesick swooning over Spock always like, Oh, Mr. Spock, why don't you acknowledge me? Why don't you tell me you love me? Well, oh. blah, blah, blah. it's awful. Yeah. It's such, such it's, terrible it's, writing. It's so well done here and it ends badly. That's awful. Yeah. And I'm, and, and I'm so, and I'm so invested in the Spock and, yeah. and Apple in this show where I'm like, why did you do this to me? Yeah. Cause they can't actually go anywhere right because i mean i guess you could make it break up up. right yeah it doesn't really matter oh but no but that we not not to spoil but we know that to pring and and spock are still i did see that in there's still a couple in the original series yeah yeah. i was gonna say like it feels like something where you know right now he's right his emotional barriers are down he's loose and he clearly has feelings for chapel 100 and like he's going to make the decision logically yeah to bottle all that back up and shut himself off and when he shuts himself off he totally shuts her out yeah and well, she's actually, not just seeing mixed signals like yeah. they're building something that makes that kind of makes it's they're gonna trying be really, to make yeah. her lovesick like bad 60s writing sure mm-hmm. makes sense yeah as why spock would be like a wall that she's talking to because he will that actually that's that'd be dramatic and like really like oh like really good like that yeah there, have, I'm sure there will be a point in the show where they're just going to like he's going to completely shut her out. Yeah. I do want to see chapel continue. One of the things I'm a little worried about because I'm, I'm, and I, I know I probably shouldn't be because I do trust this show and I do trust these writers is I don't want chapel's entire arc to be centered around Spock. Um, yeah, sure. And I, I want to see chapel kind of explore other relationships because she is canonically by, I believe as of the last season. Yes. The- there's a i don't remember what episode it is but i remember it like she does a glance at one character that's very like oh i think you're hot kind of look and i'm like oh i i, I see it but they never do anything ever again with it and i'm like oh i guess there's a spock now okay and but i want to see that like i want to see them explore yeah. chapel outside of spock and so i i hope that we get a chance to do so um and i know that kind of leaving the door open that in this first episode that she might leave the enterprise for a couple of months uh, could possibly get them the room to do that away from Spock. Uh, I hope that's kind of the case that we're we going. I have no reason to worry. It's just yeah. kind of just something I, I, I just something I want to see. No, that's understandable. Cause like as good as that stuff can be, you don't want an entire season just sitting around. Oh, I love no. this guy and he won't be with me. You okay. want them yeah. to yeah. give her something else to do, like going off and doing the internship for two months on Vulcan. Yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot the internship was on Vulcan. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, uh, uh, let's see. Chapel, man. Yeah, man. I love this cast so much, but the Fox, so the, good. I want to talk about Australian. I saw an interview today. I was like, yeah. ever, no, nobody, nobody's American. Good. So Spock is given his Vulcan loot, uh, from Mbenga. Um, now that's something he had in the original series. Um, and he actually had it in discovery, but we're going to ignore that. Um, and he um 
And I really like the explanation of like, this will help you center yourself. This will kind of bring you back to logic. If you play this because you're stressed right now, it's very hard for you to center yourself. So play this and it'll help you recenter. And it kind of gives a lot of meaning to, uh, to that musical instrument and to Spock's, um, uh, Spock's logic. Um, fun fact about that though, that the episode where we first see that is the reason why JJ Abrams put Uhura and Spock together as a couple in the Star Trek 09 film. Okay. So just thought I'd throw that out there because I think that's incredibly strange. Hmm. Strange. They're very flirtatious in the episode. I kind of see it, Hmm. but I'm like, that's weird, but okay. Yeah, yeah. I feel you. Um, All right. So let's move on. Um, Let's talk about the fight sequence. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the fight sequence. So... Um, I'll say real quick, I think this is the first stylistic choice I haven't agreed with in the show. And it's a, a bit too much slow motion. Mm, not, yes. not a ton, a bit. We did mm. it a little bit too much. Yeah, I I do wonder, I do question the choice. I do wonder why they decided to do it that way. Because um, I think you could get away with it without it. I think the choreography is good. It's not like you're hiding the choreography through it. Um, I I think it comes from like a a very like uh, eight late eighties early nineties film uh, style thing to do when like when you are in a war scene right the slow motion activates like when they're charging up Char- and going into war that kind of thing and I think they're trying to evoke the same idea like in this moment Omega is back in the war yeah. Like regardless they do of the like a, they're not a zoom in. Yes, on him. yeah, I think I think that's the thing they're trying to capture, and I'm kind of with it sure. for the first chunk of it, and then mm-hmm. it goes a little too long. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, I think I think what it might actually be what it might be how just there's a lot of slow motion. I just think the scene lasts too long. Uh, uh, again, not that I not that I don't want like action in my Star Trek or anything, but it's just like it was a very stylized like this turned into like an action show all of a sudden. And I don't have a problem with that, but it was very like, man, and we're like on our third wave of dudes now. Like, this is an hour long show. Yeah, I do like the implication that Mbanga had developed this kind of steroid that allows him and Chapel to wipe the floor with Klingons. Oh my God. Yeah, they turn into the Hulks. Um, <laughs> I don't dilate. Like, that's yeah. drugs. <laughs> I don't, I don't mind that per se. I think the sequence goes on a little too long, but what I'm more interested in is what it, is it is it is it is it, is it going to come back around? Because I don't think Feder- the Federation or Starfleet knows that Mbenga has this drug. This definitely does not seem regulation. <laughs> yeah, and because like the the Starfleet Starfleet and the Federation is very much against augmentation. That's why Una is in jail. And yeah. this would kind of be like this is technically an aug- this is technically a, a a drug that augments your strength. And I don't think the Federation would be okay with that, even during wartime. I don't think they would be okay with this. Yeah. And I wonder who knows about this drug and is this, is the moral implications of having this drug going to come around? Because that's what I'm really interested in to see. You know what? I have to imagine because the theme seems to be about like war and stuff. So like, I have to imagine it. I hope it comes back around. Well that, yeah. and you got number one's like story kind of tied to like lying in Starfleet and how that tied into augmentation yeah. and that kind of yeah. stuff. So it's true. Um, I think that like both things can kind of, you know, all come, all work together. together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do think it goes on a little too long, and the and because the the it's really silly that these two doctors, one of them a hundred pounds soaking wet, 
is feeding up these Klingons. And the longer it goes on, the more you start to question like, oh, why is this still? That's that's the thing. I don't want to I, I never want to question how badass people can be. Mm-hmm. But like the like like Klingons are like battle hardened, right? <laughs> like mm-hmm. they're they kick ass. Like and you I'm get sure, a little bit I'm of sure it when a couple, but like this is again, again a dozen at one. Like, come on, this is again another reason why you should have maybe thrown a couple of like human being Federation guys in there yes. for sure. Yeah. yeah, and we get a little bit of that when Chapel like throws a punch at someone and it hurts her hand because the yeah. drug is wearing off. And I'm like, okay, well that at least we're getting that, but that's the only time it happens. Yeah, um, and I would have liked to. I would have liked more kind of a, a, a struggle there because it, it gets it it borderlines on the ridiculous. It doesn't quite get there, but it does. It does straddle the line. It, it there was a point where she says, "Like you got any more of that jo- a juice doc?" And I thought, "Oh my god, please no more." <laughs> no, I thought another <laughs> round was going to happen. So thankfully, they they did stop it. So, because we're talking about that sequence, I also I also need to bring up because I'm who I am. Um, the in, when we get to the sick bay on this false federation ship, um, I looked at that sick bay. And I was like, "Oh, that's Discovery sick bay." So they're reusing the set. It's a Star Trek show. They reuse the set. Sure, sure, sure. and. I didn't, and then as the scene kept going, I was like, oh, this is just Discovery set. They just used Discovery's interior set all over. Holy shit. Smart. And it was so fun. It was so funny because, and this isn't a criticism. Star Trek reuses sets all the time. Um, and it, I, I was watching this. I was like, oh, I remember when that character died over there. Oh, I remember when that happened over there. Like it kept reminding me. I get, I got like flashes of scenes from Star Trek Discovery. Sure. It was yeah, fun. the architects of the, that, those particular starships were lazy that week. Yeah, oh, well, but like, but like, it makes sense actually because, and you, this is not something you guys would know. They say it's a crossfield class ship. Mm-hmm. That's Discovery. Discovery is a crossfield class ship. Okay, there you go. There you go. Uh, so that that's why it is, and it it's um it it kind of goes back to in the in the first season when they go to the um it's not a Constitution class, but it it looks like a const it looks like a Constitution class. But it, that's why the it kind of explains the same interior interior use. It's not something they needed to do because they just need a new set. Um, but I do appreciate that they do kind of have this idea where, like, if you're into this, if you're into new Star Trek, what she says is it's a crossfield class, I think. And what that means is, and it's the saucer section of what the Discovery class ship is, because you can tell it's got the... Um, it's got the the gap in the middle of the saucer, and then the rest of it is cobbled together from another ship. So it's it's very much it's very much a bastardization of a Federation starship. It's very mm-hmm. much like we put this together with what with what we had, and um, that's why she says I think. So I, re- I I did actually really really like that. It is a cool looking ship just in general. Before they nuke it, um, yeah. I <clears throat> hmm. Which one do I want to say next? Uh, I really like that we get so quickly to follow up on the law on with the finding the girl's parents story mm-hmm. uh, and just like wrap that up. I, I like her was, a lot. I thought that was good because I really like law. And yeah. she got the spice. Yeah, I'm glad that she came back. I, I really I really appreciate that. You know, I mean, look, it's a it's a episodic TV show more than a serialized TV show. And so I don't think keeping your cast of characters off off screen for so long really works and i'm glad that uh la'on is able to come back so quickly because i i i would miss her had she not been gone had she been gone longer i agree because she's, she's one of my favorites uh also she comes back in in a very Marian style about drinking a big man mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i thought about that too yeah i always like that right. trope uh they're, they're they're drinking klingon blood wine which i guess now has blood in it 
Makes sense. Doesn't have yeah. to be human. Doesn't have yeah. to be human. There's animals. I'm into that. Whatever. I don't care. Yeah. Hey, no <laughs> shade on the Klingon blood wine. Spock uh, gets on too. He gets <laughs> seconds. What are man? This is a, a very unvulcan Vulcan. I mean, it's the, very Christian of them, isn't it? Wow. I mean, you the, know, Jesus' blood is wine. So they just they're, they're cutting out the middle metaphor. It's true. Yeah, that's true. They did it. <laughs> Spock's like, <laughs> yes, my Klingon brothers. Have you heard the word of Jesus Christ? <laughs> <laughs> Um, the uh, the fight between the the false federation ship and the enterprise is really cool. Zipping and zipping and zagging between the the, the oh the, the crystal ice. There's the crystal. there's a point even before he fires on the ship where like proximity to the Klingon ship. I'm just like, bro, they know they that you're there. Yeah, like, they know. <laughs> yeah they're not looking. <laughs> like, well, they, they charge the gun. They charge the gun just before he shoots, and you're like, yeah, they know. Yeah. Um, I I also I just thought it it was a little bit I didn't mind the back and forth thing of like uh Mbenga and Chapel and like how they're going to survive what they're going to do and Spock's hesitancy to destroy the ship. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mind that. However, I didn't know what Spock was waiting for. Mm. See, like I wouldn't mind it if Spock knew that they were they were like working were on a way out and he like yes. he was like giving them as long of a chance as he possibly could. But I'm like, what were you waiting for? I like you don't know. Yeah, no, yeah. I I do agree. I guess maybe who's waiting for maybe a communication from them. Yeah, like, just like just like just a word. Drawn yeah. it out for for hope's sake, but I'm like, we really rose I, up right up uh, onto the line. On I think that they one. wanted to make it as like dramatic as as no, possible. absolutely. And yeah, I, yeah. I, I just think like, you know, I've seen it. I, even in the small amount of Star Trek I've consumed, I've seen a, you know, a better rendition of just like the captain knowing like there's a slim chance they're going to pull it off. So we got to leave them as much room as possible. That's not communicated. Yeah. 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 I feel right. like the, um, I do like Mbenga's line before they go out the airlock with it, where Mbenga's like, this is going to suck. Like <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sugarcoating this. I really appreciate that because they're like, no, no, we'll be fine. It's a lot. There's a lot of like sci-fi tropes where we go out the airlock. It's like, it'll be fine. We just, Mbenga's like, no, this is going to suck. If this doesn't work, we're dead. Yeah, I like yeah. before that. Um, oh God, what does he say? Um, uh, uh, oh, we've been through much worse than this. And Chapel's like, <laughs> "No, we have not. <laughs> no, we we're going to die." And then he's like, "No, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm you're like, right. I'm not going to bullshit a bullshitter." Um, yeah, I like putting them together. I think they've got good chemistry. I I really like. Um, oh, what's the? How do you pronounce? Do you guys know how to pronounce the actor's name? I don't uh, know. character. Look it up for you. Um, I can, I always have a hard time pronouncing his last name, but I like him a lot, and I'm glad oh, he's man. in manga. I'm gonna try my best. His name is Babs Olusan Olusan Moken. Yeah, sure. That's, yeah. that's how I would. He's a cool dude, man. I love again this whole cast. Like I gotta say, everyone, like everybody's my favorite. Honestly, like, like he's in Dune. He's what? He's in Dune. He's in Dune. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. He's one of the the Araki. Yeah, I forgot about that for a minute. <laughs> Part two, November. Um, let's see. Um, oh, Chief Kyle's gone. R.I.P. Chief Kyle. R.I.P. Remind me. I know it. Ha- I just watched it, but Chief. Would you so Chief on the internet, on the internet, he is called Transporter Twink. <laughs> oh, got it. <laughs> he's the chief. He's the transporter. No, uh, got it. I got it now. I got a different person. <laughs> but it's now it's uh, uh, Chief J, uh, the actor who played Kyle, uh, left to pursue other other things. Jay's real young looking. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah. Um, I I want to see. So on this one, we get a new style of Klingon, um, which is different than what we had in Discovery, and very different, and a little bit different than what we've had before. Um, 
I like the idea that there are different types of Klingon people, different yeah. subsects of the Klingon culture. I would like to see, because I know that they've said they're not going to do anything with the Discovery Klingons, which is fine. Um, I would like to see TOS Klingons show up without sure. the head ridges kind of being like, because there's there's a possibility that we could see a Klingon from the original series. Um, and if we do, I'd like them to have to not have the head ridges because that would, I think, be a nice bit of continuity, keeping it, uh, keeping the continuity of Star Trek Enterprise and uh, Star Trek the original series. While not all Klingons still have the head ridges, uh, this one, this one specifically doesn't. Yeah, I'd like, like I'd like to see humans. That. Humans, we all look different, you know. Like there could be difference of sub sub we categories. Are, of we are a terrible example. No, I know. No, I, I know. You're just like gesturing. It's like we all look different. I'm I meant like, we're we not as a, as a society. I know. I, I understand. It's just funny. I'll get a tan um, next door. Because we can actually we can actually headcanon it in the sense that like the Klingon the this is gonna be really nerdy, so you guys can ch can check out it for a minute if you want. Um, is the if, if the Klingons wanted to, if you wanted to explain his candidate, then it could be like, oh, the the disease that wiped away their head ridges in, in Star Trek Enterprise is wearing off by the time we get to the original series. So only a few Klingons don't have their head ridges, not sure. all. I'm sure there's some Dave Floney ass guy over at Star Trek thinking that exact thing up right now. Unfortunately, it's Alex Kurtzman. Yeah. <laughs> But hey, Akiva Goldsman's name's all over this thing, and he's doing great work. So I, yeah, I know. There's, there's always, there's always the possibility that someone can surprise you. Like I said, like Akiva Goldsman is not a writer I particularly enjoyed uh, yeah. prior to this, but he's, I, I think he's killing it on the show. I, I, I think he, I don't know if he's directed some too. I want to say the, at least maybe the first season, but like, yeah, he's doing. I'm, I'm enjoying it. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, can I, oh, they're not in the episode very much, but we talked about, it, but like Pike and and the number one. Like they're off gonna like he's gonna go off to off guys. I want to be honest. I th there's only one character that I'm not totally in love with, and it's Una. Yeah. I think she's kind of just like everybody else has like a distinct like personality, like like quirk or like trait, and she's just kind of like the boring mom of the Enterprise. And I just like I need her to do more than just be like I'm a robot, I guess. <laughs> sure. Because <laughs> like I, I I might be I'm probably alone on that, which is fine. But like everyone else, like like I like I get real character, and I'm just like. I'm just getting kind of like just vague. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a person. I'm a person who's here. I'm not a robot. Am I a robot? I'm like you know. Yeah, I don't necessarily. I don't think I disagree with that. Honestly, I think she's bad. Just there's not like there's nothing more to her. I think for me, as far as like the main cast goes, she is probably my least favorite. Um, but that's not to say. And as Ryan just tried to just articulate, it's not to say that she's a bad character because I quite I do like her. It's just as far as the cast of characters are, she would be at the she would be at the bottom, which is wild for me to say because there's characters in here that like that shouldn't work, but they do because they've got so much charisma. And I do wonder if maybe it's because Rebecca Remain. Look, this is no slight on her, but she's not the greatest actress. Sure, sure. Um, she very much has a she very much has a um a kind of um. A kind of style where she is like this kind of macho um uh uh take no nonsense um uh kind of butch female character and it Action works for her and it works for her uh, she's kind of the same character in the librarians but i wouldn't i wouldn't yeah i don't disagree this is a long-winded way of me saying like i don't necessarily disagree with what you're saying what I will say, and I understand that these things shouldn't necessarily completely be held in conversation with each other, but if you are a person who watches the Orville I don't feel like anyone else on this show is a shadow or like 
living under a, 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 a better guise of someone yes. that's on the Orville, except for her, yeah. who I feel like is living in the shadow of Adrian Palicki. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. Who is basically yes. her character better yeah. on the Orville. That's um, yes, and I don't yes. feel like anyone else is suffering from that, but because I watched the Orville, I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, but like Adrian Palicki is basically the same person, but better. <laughs> yeah. I really love Adrian Palicki. That is Palicki. a very good comparison, yeah. I mean, and because it is, it, they are meant to be Pike and, and Una. They do play it as like the mom and the dad of the Enterprise. Right. Um, and very much the same thing on the Orville. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think, I think, yeah, I agree with that. There's nothing, nothing, nothing more to add I think there. it's just one of those things where like, it's hard not to, to compare those two when like, literally everybody else we've talked about on Strange New Worlds feels so distinctively different from any of their character comparisons on the Orville but those two feel like they're crafted in the exact same mold and just one of them's get also getting better material to work with too that's part of it on the Orville Mm -hmm. but do you you, do you think that Una's plot will be a big part of the season I'm hoping I'm hoping because I think that's going to open her up yeah that's um um, because like I don't want them to just like throw her away or anything because that's what it kind of felt like but like if pike's going to do something then i think then that's not i don't have to worry about that yeah i'm sure she'll i'm sure i honestly i think it'll be resolved in the next episode um as far as like she'll be allowed to go back to the enterprise because i don't think you're getting rid of that character yeah yeah um i think the the most interested i ever was in her character was when it was revealed that she was an illyrian um i really like that episode and i really like her in that episode she was allowed to shine a, a little bit more and I'd like to see that continue. So, so there's an interesting, there's an interesting thing happening in current Star Trek, and it's and it's not necessarily weird that it's happening in Strange New Worlds, but it is. No, it is. It is weird. Honestly, it is weird because we know that this doesn't. So, in the Federation, it's illegal to be augmented because of the eugenics wars in the '90s, um, and it was a whole thing, and. For 400 years and counting, it is illegal to have any sort of augmentation in the Federation. And to do this idea of Una being augmented and having La'an be a descendant of a very famous augment, Khan Ninian Singh, um, it's weird that we're doing this here because we know that in the future of Star Trek, where this show is the future of where this show is set, nothing really comes from this. This doesn't change the rules on augments. This doesn't change this doesn't really change anything. It will only affect Una's story and not the Federation as a whole. Yeah. And it's interesting that they're choosing to go in that direction. Yeah. Can it can it affect Illyrians in the future? Mm. We don't know. We haven't we don't see Illyrians in the future. So that's what I'm thinking is that this like where this is really going to and this is like kind of what we were talking about with the Mbenga thing, like that also in this episode kind of being like a type of augmentation mm-hmm. um, and like where could that ride? And like, I think it is going to be about Federation kind of drawing lines, like because what we kind of had got from the first season, right? It's been a bit um, <clears throat> is that uh, her species augmentation is like a part of their existence. It's just as far as of, yeah. it's a part of how they live. It's yeah. part of like like. Uh, their religion right yeah. um and so i think it's going to bring into a debate of like can federation rule against something that is so inherently part of your body part of species. like who they are like yeah. like kind of like 
no no uh no weapons mastering kind of thing if mandalorians existed here right well like we well, mm-hmm. can't say that they're mandalorians that's all they do um that's that's their thing that is their religion like yeah. um, so so same deal and yeah. i feel like that's maybe the point is for to put a species at the center of that conversation because it puts into light like where does federation draw those lines and like having to make an exception of like well when it's part of who you are yeah, that's a really good point. Because uh, the only time we ever saw an Illyrian, they were introduced in Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, the species was introduced there, so mm. we never, we've never seen them in uh, any further than this point. So it could be, be exactly what you're saying, Sparks, that these species, because it is part of their species that they that they augment, um, and it is proven that it doesn't create homicidal murderers. Um, then it could then they could just make the exception for the species. And and I think even in that episode the where it's revealed that it was an Illyrian is that the Illyrians did try to join the Federation, but were uh, turned away because they right. were augmented. Right. And I think that that's maybe the point of putting Una at the center of this is yeah. to reopen that discussion in a way where like you could just tackle like, how does the Federation embrace people who want to be part of it, but they maybe necessarily are like drawing lines that, that, are arbitrary and are yeah. not taking an individual into an account. Now um, there is a, there is something to be said for what you're saying, because in Star Trek prodigy, and this is something like all throughout Star Trek, the modern Star Trek era, uh, Star Trek Picard season two, strange new worlds, Star Trek prodigy, they've been dealing with the idea of augmentation and what that, and how the Federation's ideals towards it are outdated. And they have been for a very, very long time. Um, and Star Trek prodigy deals with it by it's having its main character be an augment. They didn't know they were augmented, but they were created in a lab and they were augmented. And the Federation was going to turn them away, but because they saved spoilers for Star Trek Prodigy, uh, but because they saved the the, the Federation, uh, they were allowed to join Starfleet uh, temporarily. Uh, not temporarily. Um, what does it mean when you're like, where you kind of, you're join you join something, but you didn't, but you're not quite. You didn't quite get like a rank yet. You're just kind of. You are not a Jedi Master yet. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're on probation. Yeah, yeah, pro- probationarily, uh, pro- uh, the uh, uh, something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So basically, she, it basically means like trial. I, I think trial in context, period. yeah, it's like a trial period, and like if you get through, then like we'll grant you actual rank inside, but Internship. like we're, you're being watched very closely. Yeah, and so and so Prodigy takes place in the late 23rd century, and this is the mid 22nd century. So, nope, this is the mid 23rd century that takes place in the late 24th century. Um, so we know sure. that. Yeah, I know. I don't know what it. This takes place in the future. That's all. <laughs> like <laughs> this takes place in the year twenty two sixty something. Excuse me. Twenty two sixty something. And uh, Prodigy takes place in twenty three eighty six. No, twenty three eighty four. No, twenty three eighty six. Doesn't matter. Um, and uh, so, so there's a hundred years between this and Prodigy, and so, so that's kind of where I was kind of getting at of like. He, there is a sense that maybe Prodigy used what happens to Una. Maybe they, maybe they, maybe what happens to Una could give what happens to Prodigy kind of that um, the precedent, right? And of course, love precedent. We've done this before, so we can do it again. Yeah, yeah maybe it does. It, I, maybe it does that. I think it, it would be the interesting, right, story angle to pursue is is this idea of um, Starfleet being, you know, brought up against an entire like 
you are disqualifying something that is inherently part of who these people are. Like, yeah. is is that really your right to say no about yeah. um, in this case? And so I, I do think that's probably part of the point of it. I'd be kind of shocked if it wasn't. Yeah, because the Federation is so scared of another Khan Union Singh that they just outright banned. Uh, they, I mean, they banned augmentation. What's so strange about about the ban on augmentation is that it was banned before the formation of the Federation, and it carried into the formation of the Federation, which Earth, Earth, yes, was part of bringing all those species to the Tellarites, the Andorians, the Vulcans together to make the Federation. But it's strange to me that. It's always kind of in hindsight strange to me that Earth was like, hey, before we sign this charter, we need to all kind of agree that what happened on Earth can never happen out there. And none of the species were like, we never did that. We never created a homicidal augmented maniac. Why should we do? Why should we have this rule? Right. Because um, humans because humans made Star Trek. That's why. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, I feel like. I wouldn't be shocked if we are looking at something where Una gets like the exact same kind of thing, like a probationary period. Right. But the point yeah. and the goal of her succeeding is to allow all of Illyria to be part of the Federation. Right. And I also would... wanted to note that like, cause we were talking about it. I do like when Una is uh, specifically tied with La'an. Yeah. I think that that's when Rebecca Romaine has that, the best that, stuff. That is my, cause they were having fun doing stuff, fun stuff together. Yeah, the yeah. cadet stuff. Yeah. Yeah. When they were hunting oh. them down. That was a good. Stuff. That's a good yeah. episode. Yep, I'm fun. Yeah, we're fun. Yeah, I love I love stern badass chicks getting yeah. to unwind. Yeah. <laughs> um. Let's see. Oh, uh, just a quick note. I like their covert outfits on the planet. I think they look good. Something oh, yeah, that I, green. Yeah, something I think that all Star Trek, all modern Star Trek, has done is the um, their um, what's it called? Casual wear yeah. has just been top notch. Oh, yeah, yeah, I agree, 100%. Uh, one of my favorite things about Spock uh, having to come back to Starfleet after he stole the Enterprise and everything is uh, him being hungover when he did it. Oh, yeah. Love yeah. it. Can you lower your voice, Admiral? <laughs> Are you <laughs> hungover, Spock? That's your punishment. <laughs> um, I like the I like the implication that... I do like Admiral April, and, and, and some people have brought this up, that so stealing the Enterprise is not new in the franchise. This happened in Star Trek... Three of the search for Spock. Uh, Kirk and the crew stole the Enterprise to go save Spock. To search for him. And they, so, so, but they got severely punished. Well, they were meant to, and then they saved the world. Um, and then Kirk just got a demotion. But um, here, Spock just kind of gets a slap on the wrist and mm -hmm. nothing else. And I, I do like the explanation that the other Admiral who's with uh, April says, "You, why'd you let Spock off easy? And he's like, he doesn't know it, but he just stopped another war, and we can't really fight two wars right now. We're, yeah, Gorn approaching, and I do like that, and I like that reveal of like, it's not necessarily that Spock got off easy; is that Spock got lucky that there is a, a, an imminent threat with the Gorn happening. I don't even, I don't even think it's just that. I think it's that Spock was right, and yeah. it's like, well, we can't admit that Spock was right, though. Yeah. <laughs> destroying yeah i do i do starfleet regulations and everything we can't we can't do that. i do really uh I, it is you know it is a trophy thing uh, uh of you know uh pitting you know uh, like a like a fake war to to for war profiteering all that stuff i really like the idea of like them like repurposing starfleet stuff and like making a starship to go attack their own vessel to make it yeah. seem like the, they're attacking the Klingons. Like, that's a really like ingenious idea and like luckily enterprise got stolen and had to go check out their homie 
I'm like, oh, well, we're happy to be here. It's yeah, it's, re it's really crafty when, like, you're part of a third party and you're trying to make two nations go against each other. So it's, it's a good story idea. That's a... More that's people something. should take it. That's something I'm sure you're talking. We'll talk about it on a different Fake Nerds Watch episode. What? what will we? Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> No, I think um, yeah. it's really, I do think it's really cool. Like, I, I think that, like, I, I do think that the idea of what I like about it is that, like, you know, obviously on that other show, we're going to talk about, like, there's a whole other purpose to it. But here it gets down to the nitty gritty and says, like, yeah, profits suck during peacetime. Yeah. Yeah. Like, profits, is, profits are better in war because so that's, it's, it's very real. That's the entire plot of Metal Gear like, Solid 4, baby. That's the entire plot of America. Yeah. Um, is <laughs> profits are better in war. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm glad that they're tackling that so directly and that they said it so frankly and like, yeah, they're the whole reason they're doing it is because like they make more money if if they're fighting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's what that's what I like about The Last Jedi so much when when they're talking about like peacetime, you don't make much money during peacetime, but during war, very profitable. And so, yeah, I like that. I like that, too. I just, you know, I wish anybody else would pick up that frickin baton from Johnson on that one. <laughs> Oh, uh, I mean, Andor kind yeah. of has. No, 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 like, yeah. Um, we're going to Cantabite in that Star Wars Outlaws game, so that's exciting. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, so I like, I like much like you, Sparks. I do really like that they, they kind of like boil it down to like the only reason why they want, they want to ignite the war between the Cunninghams and the Federation again is for profit. Um, because there is no profit. I mean, to be fair, there's no profit in the Federation. There's no money in the Federation. No money. So <laughs> they don't but care about money. But they need it when wartime happens because they need dilithium dilithium yeah. is a very important resource it's the only thing that makes starships go to warp um without without it they're stranded and this is just one planet where you get dilithium from light yeah it's yeah not the there's others place. yeah and this is a really rich dilithium planet there sure, are sure. but there are other dilithium mines out there yeah. in the galaxy i love um because again i watched i watched uh season one like yesterday um that episode episode 10 ends has that romulan commander who's like who doesn't who hates war like a, a, a unending war and then you have like this commander who's like he's reasonable he has a talk and he's like and then he has a beer with some spuck at the end i'm like <laughs> i love it i love that these people can like break the stereotypes that like that like that's what star trek star trek is so good at you have like these people and they're all based in their stereotypes but real people can break free of those things and the, you know like the 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 expectations of other people and all that stuff. And it's really cool. You said it really well, something that in my brain I was trying to circle around to, which is is the fact that we are seeing just as much as Spock is saying like Starfleet regulations in this case are not correct. And like, we shouldn't be listening to them. They don't have the full picture. They don't know what they're saying. Um, or we could say the same thing about the Una situation. They're not looking at the full picture. They're not looking at the individual. Um, it is cool that you also, while unfortunately I think we were too heavily featuring just the Klingons and the crime syndicate stuff, yes, um, and not enough humans. It is cool that you then get a Klingon who's like, if, I, if you come to me face to face and you tell me and we share a drink over some some blood wine, that's all. That's been cool. We cool. Like I believe you. We're good. <laughs> like I will. I will take you at your word. That dude wants a clock out of five and have a beer. <laughs> so. Um... That's very, it's very Star Trek, as Ryan said, like one of the things that Star Trek is really good at, I mean, going back to, so Equality of Mercy, sorry, I get the two titles. So Equality of Mercy is, is riffing off of, we talked about the last season, is riffing off of the episode of Balance of Terror. It's the exact same episode, except Pike is there instead of Kirk. Um, and Ryan, if you haven't watched the Balance of Terror recently, you should, because the, they, they pair so nicely together. I shall. That's awesome. um, and that's where we get the, Kling, the Romulan commander who's like, 
who doesn't want war. He doesn't want to go to war again. War is timely. War costs people's lives. And that's what's so interesting about Star Trek is Star Trek is always very clear about its stance on war, that war is not good. War is war is, is war sucks. You lose people. People's lives get lost in war. And Benga says it here: hundreds of millions of lives lost for what? A parsec of space, two parsecs of space. What's the point? In Star Trek: The Next Generation, another Romulan commander wants to defect uh, from Romulus because Romul because Romulus is gearing up for another war with the Federation, and he's like, I don't want that. I don't want to go to war. War sucks. Mm-hmm. Um. The Cardassians le- learned that lesson the hard way and in, in, during the Dominion War and Deep Space Nine. So war, be, war being this kind of thing to be avoided at all, all costs has always been in the fabric of Star Trek. And I'm glad that Strange New World took that baton and created this idea that even a Klingon commander who is bred for war is like, I don't want war. No. I don't want to go to war again. That sucked. Have a yeah. drink with me. We'll figure yeah. this out together. Yeah. I am I am really glad that Kim, Chloe, and Courtney learned that lesson. I swear to God. <laughs> Sparks, I, I in my brain I was I made a, a, a Kardashian joke, but I'm like, I'm not gonna do it here. And you, I've, you I've did done it for it, me. I've done it before. Thank you. All right, cool, they cool. have come up before and like it was the first time I heard it because I think you and Cookie were like saying something and yeah, I'm like, yeah. excuse me. What do the Kardashians have to do with Star Trek? Yeah, Kardashians. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you can say it all you want. Like, pop culture's ruined it. <laughs> Keeping up with the Kardashians. They're the they're gray lizard people with spoons on their heads. Hey, don't talk about Kim that way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, I, yeah I, really, I really appreciate uh, Star Trek stance on war, just in general, it really formed my own opinions on war. Watching Star Trek at a young age and mm-hmm. to see that continue on to the modern age is very good, very nice. I will, I will say, like, um, I don't know, who, I didn't look it up, and I don't know who played that Klingon captain that drinks with Spock at the end, but whoever he is, he either already has played Scar on Broadway <laughs> or he better because I swear I've seen him play Scar on Broadway. I was like, man, I'm vibing like. A heavy scar from the Lion King energy out of you, my guy. Um, <coughs> I really liked him. That's my point. So, Captain, uh, sorry, Commander Pelia, um, Carol Kane's character mentions that she that she knew knows Spock's mother, Amanda. Um, oh yeah, and that's really that's really interesting. Went on a writer. Went on a writer's character from Star Trek Nine, yeah, because um, she says that. Um, she was the first person. She was one of the first people I came out to, um, when, when as a Lanthanite, and uh, I'm so interested to see if that's going to pay off. Are we going to see Amanda Grayson in this in this season? That'd be so interesting because we it haven't be, seen Spock's parents yet. It would be kind of cool to see Winona Ryder come back. Uh, it's a, it would be the actress who played her in Star Trek Discovery. I think um, his name's Andrew Jackson. Is that the guy? Does that look like this face? I don't know. I don't know. I don't Hard know. to tell. That know. is not a. That is that is a white man. <laughs> no. Because we saw we've we've met Spock's parents in Star Trek Discovery. We have not seen they have not crossed over to Strange New Worlds yet. Oh, oh okay. I see. Womp womp. Um so I I I'm sure I hope we see Amanda Grayson um in this. Well, season. yeah, I feel like if we've seen them in Discovery, then it's very likely. I don't want to see Sarek though. I think it's important not to see Sarek, Spock's dad, because of where we meet him in the original series. If you say so. so. Also, I mean, yeah, this is something that you guys aren't going to really relate to, but I don't like the actor who plays Sarek in Discovery. I think he's frankly bad. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think he's a very good uh, Vulcan or Sarek. Sure. Um, okay. All the more reason to put him in Strange New Worlds and make him better. 
<laughs> but it's the I mean, I guess it could be the writing, but it's he there's a there's a specific way to play Vulcans that Discovery always struggled with um until more recently. Um and someone someone said it very well. Actually, um Jason Inman said this really well on the Word Balloon podcast. I'll never forget this. Um he said uh there are people when you when you watch people play Vulcans, there's two camps. There's the camp that knows who clocked how Spock, how Leonard Nimoy is playing Spock and who didn't. People who know, know that Leonard Nimoy did not play Spock without emotions. He played Spock as someone who is um, withholding his emotions, keeping his emotions suppressed, uh, keeping them in check. Um, but people who don't understand that think that Spock played, uh, played by Len that Leonard, Leonard Nimoy played Spock without emotions. And I think that's when you get bad Vulcans is when you just get the Vulcans who are just emotionless and, and stone faced and there's really nothing there. And it's well, important when you play it, when you play a Vulcan to have that emotion, I think. Aren't, aren't most Vulcans supposed to be not suppressing emotions, just not feeling them at all? No, they're always suppressing. It's always been a case. So Spock's emotions are more out of check because he's half human. Isn't but there like a thing that happens to them? Yeah, Ponfar. Mm. Every seven years. Like Ponfar. I could have just sworn in season one they say something like, "Oh yeah, I haven't had a thing where that 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 like eliminates my oh colonar the colonar yes yeah, so there's the colonar that that purges all emotions not all not every Vulcan goes through it I believe um, but it's still it's still a sense of Vulcans in Vulcans have always it's always been kind of the Vulcans feel emotions far stronger than humans they yeah. their their emotions are far more <clears throat> um, ravaged. Than human than humans' emotions, which is why they searched logic um, during their their dark ages, and I and I I think and so like Spock is always is always kind of on the verge of breaking down because he his emotions are clouded by also being human, um, whereas everyone else, every every all the good Vulcans anyway I should say always play it as they have emotions but they're not showing them they're suppressing them they're hiding them they're not devoid of it and that's what i want to see more of sure i mean like in a performance level i completely agree with you like i get what you're saying i just as a species i wanted clarification yeah i think you're right about like you know in general saying that's we're in spock's rebellious phase this is very much his like uh he's in his he's in his shinji time <laughs> oh jeez <laughs> <laughs> too many emotions now we have to bring his, <laughs> we have to bring his family into it now did you see the trailer for the rest of the season? They put like a this season on Star Trek Strange New World. I did not watch it. Negative. And I will not tell you some of the cool stuff that I saw on that. Do not tell me because I'm going to watch it. Um, yeah, I think that's everything I've got. I don't really have much more. No, I mean, any more. Yeah, I'm done. No, we talked. To, I think we talked a good bit about a solid episode. Oh, longer than the episode. Absolutely. Very sweet that the episode is dedicated to Nichelle Nichols. Oh yeah, that that yeah, that was really sweet. Yeah, yeah, lovely, lovely, great first episode. Happy to, happy to be back after a whole sixteen hours. Sorry guys, it took you a year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm happy you're here. I'm glad you enjoyed the show. I'm glad you watched the show. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, continuing to uh, discuss and dissect this season uh, for the next nine weeks. What did you What did you think of of Kirk in the last season? Real, just real, just super quick. I wasn't crazy about Paul Wesley as Kirk. I kind of wasn't either. And I was really excited that Kirk was on the show. And like, I don't know what it was, but like, I totally didn't love his vibe. He didn't, he didn't have the it 
He didn't have he, yeah. whatever Shatner had. He didn't have it. Yeah, I'm sure he's a great actor, 100. percent But yeah, whatever it is, he didn't have it. I don't yeah. know what it is. I didn't, I'm hoping that changes. Like her. Yes, I did, but I like I I spent no time less than an hour with. Uh, no, I feel you. Shatner's Kirk. So can, can I just say real, can I just say real quickly because of your background, it looked like you actually just put whatever was that a jacket? Yes. It looked like you put it on the seat behind you. Oh yes. Hold this ensign. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm excited to see Paul Wesley again in this season because I I I do wonder if maybe the idea of playing Kirk as someone who never got the Enterprise, never got command of the Enterprise, had a completely different command trajectory, affected was a deliberate choice to play the character differently. And yeah. when we see the younger Kirk, will that will we see more of the Shatner? Yeah, I I really wonder because like uh. uh... Mm. Is he coming back? Is that confirmed? I don't, yeah, I don't it's remember. Like, because, right, because when we see him, he's like from a different. I forgot. It's been a bit. He's mm-hmm. he's not like in main timeline, right? Yeah, he's in a different time. He's in he's in he's in the timeline where Captain Pike never had the accident. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I, I can totally buy that. That is not necessarily like who he's going to be when we see like actual Kirk. Yeah. yeah that, that, that yeah. like there was a shift in who that character is just by proxy of like it being an alternate. Like, I don't think he played it. I don't think the actor went in and played it as though this is exactly who Kirk is, regardless of which path and timeline this is. Yeah, I yeah. think it is altered. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Um, yeah. I had to remind myself. Thank you for bringing that up because I was like, I remember not having a problem with it oh. at all. I do think that was part of my context as, um, but like I'm going off Chris Pine, so like <laughs> yeah, yeah. We didn't see Sam at all this episode. Oh yeah, his no. brother with the mustache. I mean, he appears and disappears. I hope we see him again. I love so one of the things that I really like about that episode of Quality of Mercy um, is uh, that we we for the first time ever get to see a living Sam Kirk and James Kirk together. Yeah, um, that was cool because in the for, in the first time we meet Sam Kirk, he's dead. So. Rip. Well, no, he's, he's a he's a cool guy. Yeah, that's a good episode, man. The first episode of that season when there's just like it's Lieutenant Kirk coming up, yeah, send Lieutenant Kirk up, and it's Sam. I'm like, oh shit, good. it's a good fake out. It is a good fake out. Yeah, my mom, my mom fell for it hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she watched the first episode of Strange New Worlds. That's all she's watched so far. But nice. like, they they were doing the like whole like Lieutenant Kirk heading up to the bridge just as you requested, and it's and she was like, they got Kirk in this from episode one, and then she was yeah. like, that's kind of surprising, and mm-hmm. I was like. Just wait. <laughs> Sam Kirk, and she's like, "Who is Sam Kirk?" And I'm like, "You watch Star Trek." <laughs> um, oh, I was this. So that actually reminds me of something really funny. <laughs> this is a complete tangent. So if anyone doesn't want to listen to the rest of this episode, go right ahead. Um, but I was um, I was watching The Adventures of Young Indiana Jones, and there's an episode where ten year old Indiana is having it has hay fever, and he's he's like it's looking like he's the kid's gonna die. And because they can't get to a doctor in time and he's laying there and his, his mother's caressing him and his mother is trying to protect him, trying to, 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 to like, you know, find a way to, to make him feel better. And Indiana looks up and he goes, is this how Susie, is this how Susie felt? And, and I was like, Oh, who's Susie? And the mom goes, no, your sister died when she was very young. And I was like, hang the fuck on. <laughs> what the hell? Where yeah. did when did this never once mentioned prior to the prior to that episode never once yep. mentioned after that episode yep. it was she has a wikipedia she has a wikipedia page that just says mentioned in the one episode and i'm like hey wait obi-wan has a brother he think he thinks he had a brother he doesn't know how old he was but the, but like man it was it was 
it was a wild moment where I was like, I, I guess everyone, Indiana had a sister. Everyone's got a secret relative until, you know, until they don't. All right. Anyway, that'll do it. Love yeah. it. Okay. So, uh, guys. Oh, this is so weird because normally this is where I tell my guest host to plug their stuff, but we all have the same stuff. It's true. <laughs> Um, all right, guys, thank you so much for joining me on this. And I, and I, I can't wait to do another one. Um, I love talking about Star Trek and I'm glad Strange New Worlds is back. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to, to, to continue to explore Strange New Worlds. It's nice to be talking about a great fake nerds watch show. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I this all for the future. <laughs> um, Speaking of the future, Fake Nerds Watch will also continue um, over uh, with Ben uh, with a Secret Invasion. Uh, so if anyone is interested in, in catching our discussions on Secret Invasion, stay tuned for that, uh, for when that drops. Um, but of course, you can find more Fake Nerds Watch Star Trek if you'd like on this feed. We've talked about, uh, well, I've talked about most of the most of episodes that have aired so far. Um, so please check those out if you'd like. And they're also, all on the audio wanna... feed. If you want to go back in time to like seven years ago when I first joined the podcast, Brandon and I, I don't know if Ben did it, but we watched and talked about some Star Trek stuff as well, like seven years ago. Ben did do that. Oh, uh, yeah. We did talked he? about, uh, we did the, we did five Star Trek movies in the lead up to the 50th anniversary of Star Trek, which is Star Trek Beyond. It's true. I listened to all those episodes. Look at that. Yeah. Um, okay. No context. <laughs> <laughs> we gave you context. Maybe, maybe, uh, <laughs> yeah. maybe that'll, uh, maybe we'll, maybe we'll give you the context finally. Um, all right. So, so that, so that'll do it guys. Of course, there's plenty more shows on this channel. If you like this video, subscribe to this channel. You can check out such shows as Fickner podcast. Fickner podcast is our mothership show where all the shows come from. Fickner podcast goes live every Sundays. Please join us if you'd like, where we talk about all sorts of movies and comic book news and TV show news and things like that. We're reviewing yeah, we're talking about Mission Impossible two, 3 and 4 this coming weekend uh, in the lead up to Star Trek in the lead up to Mission Impossible <laughs> Dead Reckoning Part 1. Um, How uh, funny would it be, Brandon, if we watched all the Mission Impossible movies to watch the next Star Trek movie? That's not <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. But like Star Trek 4 needs to come out. And yeah. true. Tom Cruise should be a captain of another ship. Hell yeah. I'd watch it. I mean, I'd watch it anyway, but I'd double watch it then. Yeah. Um, so, and then after that, we'll be doing Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Uh, so stay tuned for for just those couple episodes. Previously, we talked about The Flash. If you're interested in our thoughts on The Flash, you can find that on, on an episode or its own Cinephiles. Uh, it is in the Cinephiles right now. There are other shows you can check out, such as Basement Arcade and Basement Arcade Pause Menu. It's Summer Games Fest for Basement Arcade Pause Menu. It was a recent episode you guys did. Yes, and Ben has a uh, new episode coming out this Friday about gaming remasters. Woo! And um, the Animation Station Fickner Book Club. Oh, Star Trek Fickner Book Club is coming. Uh, I've recorded the first episode of that, so stay tuned. I'm excited for that. That's with Travis Alexander from Kaiju Ramen Media. Nice. Uh, Um, Mytholenius? Do you want to? I mean, he said coming, it. it's coming out this week. Mytholaneous. Mytholaneous is back. If you don't know what Mytholaneous is, that's fair. It's been a while. Um, Mytholaneous is our mythology-based podcast where where we we talk about uh, certain mythological stories. However, this time we are going to be talking about the various MacGuffins that plague Indiana Jones's life. Um, the the five of all five films. So I will be talking about the Dial of Destiny after the movie is out. 
Um, the first episode, we talked about the Ark of the Covenant, kind of going through the real life stories, the mythological stories that inspired Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. That episode's coming soon. Stay tuned. I'm very excited about that. Nice. Um, and the real score. The real score is coming. Uh, Mask of Zorro, new episode. And mm-hmm. uh, we got a couple of episodes uh, in the can. Yep. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. So all sorts of shows. Oh, conversation, conversation, guys. Um, you can check out conversation. That's my audio only podcast where I talk to podcasters about uh, their fandoms. My most recent episode with Ken Knapsack is up right now. To talk about Indiana Jones. If you haven't noticed, there's a lot of Indiana Jones happening on the podcast network right now, and I'm excited about it. Um, and that'll do it course you can check out our t public or our patreon if you'd like to support us financially or on our website at fakenerpodcast.com brand new website it's up now uh you can check out all sorts of every everything that i've said it's on that website please check it out um at fakener podcast on all the social medias fakenerguys at gmail.com i'm at bt mcclure on instagram and twitter i also write for cbr.com atomicgeekdom.com and kaijiramanmedia.com where i'm also their editor sparks where can people find you uh you can find me uh wanting the ship to go now, at Sparks Witty on Instagram, Twitter, S-P-A-R-K-Z Witty. And Ryan? You can find me setting my phasers to fun at DJ Tony Snark 616. All right, guys. Uh, like this video. Subscribe to this channel. Subscribe to the audio feed if you'd like. And until next time you see us, live long and prosper. Yeah.